Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Isn't that exciting about missions and excited about Pastor Phil and Beth, their future and Maritza? That's how you, that's really amazing transition, how you pass the mantle in that great day's ahead. Boy, GT is tough. Did you know that? How many know GT is It's tough. You guys, you're tough. Next week, to think, we're having an outdoor water baptism next week. That's amazing. And uh, going to be awesome. We're going to ship the ice, whatever. And uh, only those that really love Jesus are going to get water baptized next Sunday. Uh, we're putting the pool out front, whatever. No, but of course, I'm kidding. But I remember in one church in upstate New York, we had a spontaneous water baptism one night. And a number of people getting saved in these meetings. And so as I'm preaching, they're filling this, this, this tank with like ice cold water. And I remember watching people getting water baptized in their clothes because there was no, uh, nothing planned. And they were coming out like gasping for breath. It was so cold. And, uh, but, but they did it to follow the Lord. So uh, it's going to be inside next week in case you don't have a sense of humor. It's going to be inside. And, uh, and, um, and uh, it's going to be a great, great, great morning. Hey, one last announcement before we go to the Word. What a series this has been. But one last quick announcement, and Pastor Brian gave me a green light for this, is that should the Lord tarry, and what I mean by that is should Jesus not yet return? Jesus can return to any moment. How many know that? How many are ready to go like right now? How many am I going right now? But if he doesn't return before December of 2021, we're planning another Israel tour we just got back uh, a few weeks ago now, and uh, it was an absolutely amazing experience walking where Jesus walked. We've heard so many testimonies about people who've come back and I would revolutionize their, their prayer lives, which this morning's my, my whole focus, but their, their walk with the Lord, their reading of the scripture, and uh, it was amazing. And uh, so we're planning another one, 2021, uh, end of November. We have the exact date in November into December. I'm not going to receive the brochures uh, probably for a couple more weeks, but here's the deal. I'm, just, I'm telling you this just up front, and uh, there won't be like other, like tons of announcements, but we're only taking 118 people. I already have 96 people signed up that said they really want to go. And so there's not even an issue that we're going to have 118 people. But because it's some other churches, other parts of the world even. But what I'm going to do is when we're back here, sh should the Lord tarry in March, uh, next time we're back is in March, uh, that Sunday, I'm going to have all the brochures, all the info, and make it available to GT first before I send it out to anybody else. Some other churches may kill me for that, and, uh, but my allegiance is right here in this house, if you know what I'm talking about. And so, but here's the deal. Uh, the way it is, it's, it's the first sign up and uh, all the details, how to register, how to sign up to the tour, the tour company. It's easy. But once you, 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 you register and, you're, and you have your deposit in, uh, your, your seat is secure. And I, I'm, I'm, this isn't hype. I'm not trying to sell you a, a used car or whatever. I'm just telling you, if you want to go to Israel, uh, that you need to register right away to secure your seat. We do it so far in advance so people can save the money to go. It, we add new things to every other, other tour. And so it is going to be absolutely amazing uh, going back to Israel in 2021. So, and all the brochures in March, and, we'll, and uh, you'll have all the information on that, the dates, all the details. It's, it's a trip of a lifetime, it really is. Anyone that went would yell a big amen. Help me out right now, honey. Amen. amen. Thank you, pal. My wife yelled a big amen. I, I want to read this morning, if you have a Bible, uh, what a series. Uh, I want to read this morning from the book of James chapter 1. 
in uh, James chapter 1. I want to welcome G.T. Kutztown. Uh, love you guys. Love what God's doing in Kutztown. Uh, can we give them a big old hand clap right now? How much you love G.T. Kutztown. And uh, love you guys. And as you go to God, we're praying for God to move it here and praying God to move right smack there in G.T. Kutztown. James chapter 1, uh, reading verse number 2. Here's what the word says in a beautiful Sunday morning here at GT. It goes like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person, it says that person should not think or expect receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Then Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and to not give up. I want you to imagine of, of all the things that are important in, in the life of a believer, nothing is more important than you and I are people that pray. I want you to imagine Luke 11. Disciples come to the Lord Jesus and they asked him a question. It was an element, it wasn't Lord Jesus, can you tell us how to raise the dead? It wasn't Lord Jesus, can you give us a recipe on how, how you handle the loaves and all the fishes? It, it wasn't even uh, when we were in Israel floating on the Sea of Galilee, which is always my favorite. They didn't approach the Lord and say, Jesus, can you tell us like how you did this? They could have asked so many questions, but the one question they asked, voice Lord, teach us to pray. It teaches us in scripture, and uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, it says, pray continually. Colossians 4:2, devote yourselves to prayer. Romans 12:11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I, I want to read some quotes about prayer. And uh, uh, one person wrote, uh, anonymous, if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon wrote, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Andrew Murray wrote this, prayer is not a monologue, but dialogue. God's voice is his most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to my voice. And then Wesley DeWell wrote this. This is rather, uh, it's, 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 it's to the point. It's a prayerlessness proves that a person has very little love for God. I want to say something this morning, and uh, the big idea is very simple. Uh, there are several people breathing in this room, and God's saying to you that as we end this first month of this new year and new decade, 
I am praying for God to birth a spirit of prayer in the life of every believer in this great church. He said, Greg, well, why didn't you read James and the connection? Because James talks about perseverance and wisdom. Nobody perseveres without wisdom. You see, God wants you not to finish well, amen? And to finish well, that, that what he says, consider it joy with trials and, and uh, because it, it, it brings, produces perseverance. And, but perseverance is connected to wisdom. But they're both connected to prayer. Nobody's able to walk in perseverance and able to walk in wisdom without prayer. I want to say this, prayerlessness is a sin. Prayerlessness is actually a sin because we are all commanded to pray. And, and I, I want to set this up because uh, this isn't where uh, we want anyone to walk out with its sin dragon on the carpet, oh man, I'll, I'll never measure up. We want people to walk out in courage this morning knowing that God has called you and I to pray. The believer that does not pray and the church that does not pray will only operate in the human realm. But when we pray, God walks inside the room. When we pray, we'll see then and only then, only that which our God can do. You and I will be amazed how many great folks struggle in their own devotional lives. Uh, Robin, it hasn't been anything formal, but for many years, God given her a ministry wherever we travel of helping people develop a personal devotional life. We went to church a couple weeks ago in New Jersey, and we, we took a session one night, and uh, it was a conference on prayer we had at the church, and she took the whole, uh, most of the, uh, supposed to be 10 minutes, but she went for 20 minutes. Do you know what I just said? Both of me, she, she went for 20 minutes. And uh, so, but anyhow, and uh, it spoke on how to read your Bible, how, how, to, how to have a shorter time in the Word, how, how to pray. Because for, for many, it's, and I, and I get this, well, I, I, we're praying without ceasing, I get that. Uh, Smith Weatherwork said, Wigglewood said, he never prayed more than for, uh, than for 15 minutes, but, but never went more than 50, 50 minutes without praying. He never prayed long periods of time, but he never went more than 15 minutes without prayer. And so we're not saying that. Let's all walk out, start praying four hours a day. That'd be wonderful. But what she's encourages people how to have a daily structured walk with God. Now, now here's the deal. Because in the modern church, there's a battle taking place. That we feel like we've been given the, uh, the, the, the season how spiritual that we, just, that we need to be. But and, and we, at the end of the day, we all make that call. You and I are as spiritual as we want to be. If you ever read your Bible in seven days, there's major problems. If we're not in prayer, uh, there, there's serious problems. And, uh, but you and I can make a decision that we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Don't let the devil deceive you. God has called you to be a great prayer. Can somebody say amen? God doesn't want you to discourage. He doesn't want you to feel, well, Greg, I, I don't do it. Over. Listen, prayer is absolutely essential in the life of every believer. So this isn't optional. And the, and the one that says, well, you know what? Oh, gosh, I come to church. Prayer. Listen, if prayer, if the thought of that, if it kind of grace you, you've got bigger issues to deal with. Because if you're backslidden, 
If you're far, listen, this may come. God is calling people back to their first love. And God wants us back to be a people who pray. Can somebody say a big amen? So what do we do? What do we do? We say, Greg, I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to learn what it means to be someone that prays. I, re I remember the first time I'm a new believer. And uh, I'm in church up in Massachusetts. I'm 17 years old. <coughs> and uh, the teacher of, of the class, I was shocked. I just got saved like two weeks earlier. He said to me, he said, hey, Greg, will you open our class in prayer? I almost had a heart attack. Yeah, how many can relate to it? I almost had a heart attack. And I remember I broke into a sweat. You guys know that's not me. <laughs> I broke into a sweat. Maybe that's why it all, be it all began there. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, all people, Greg, will you pray? And they're all looking at me. And because I'm tall and I have a rather large head, whatever. No, when I was born, I weighed eight pounds, but none of it was my head. I walked around. I tried to teach me how to walk. And hold on. But I remember, I remember I'm in class and I'm thinking, I don't know how to do this. But, but, but I remember I was, I was on the spot. I, I think I prayed for everything but that class. I prayed, Lord, bless this, this land. It's your land. This land is my land. I, now we're laying me I pray whatever. I just, whatever. But I remember that moment of, I just, I, I, what I did my, listen, we have to begin somewhere. The, the most important word of your prayer is always the first word. Because that means that you've begun. Don't despise small beginnings. So this morning, God is going to propel you into a personal and as a church corporate prayer that maybe we've never, never known before. But to do that, we want to pray correctly. Can someone say a big yes? Amen. And Luke 18, what with the Bible, we read that verse, how, how Luke 18. What the Lord said, uh, the Lord says, he told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. When you look at uh, Luke chapter 18, there's different types of prayer that the Lord gives us as examples in Luke 18. Some of them are ways that we want to pray and some of them are ways that we do not want to pray because it's one thing to pray, but we want to pray effectively. We want to pray properly. How many want your prayers answered? Someone say yes. So the first, what he gives us in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 2, he talks about the importance of confident prayer. I want to read that, Luke 18, at verse number 2. It says this, He said in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice gets my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I, I don't fear God or care or what people think, that because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she would eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says, judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I, I think for some of us, I know I've been there, I can struggle with being a confident prayer. 
I don't mean confident and, and, and maybe stepping into prayer, but confident that God's going to answer our prayers. And my friend, God has gone to great lengths to let us know we have every reason to be confident in our prayers. Some prayers are never prayed because of a lack of confidence. Uh, and again, this amazing parable, that, that lesson's really simple. If an ungodly judge helps this poor widow, how much more? Somebody yell, how much more right now? Come on. How much more would a loving Heavenly Father meet our needs? With this in mind, we have every reason to approach the Lord with confidence. I love Luke 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. It's opposed to one inside answer. Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though you will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Does that sound like a God we should be afraid of? Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll all be open. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. I, I want to skip down to 1 John 3, 21. Dear friends, if ours don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him every, anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 tells us, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, stop right there. The Bible is clear. We have every reason to approach our God with confidence. And for many people, that lack of it's held us hostage. Uh, you know, I've already mentioned, and uh, I gotta be careful, some may be watching by, by live stream, whatever. We, we love all of our kids overseas. We, we love them all. And uh, Rebecca from Romania has been with us many times. And she, we just took her back to Dallas uh, uh, where she's studying at Christ for the Nations. We both, flew, Rob and I flew her out and got her settled in her dorm and, and whatever and took her to Target, whatever, and got what she needed. Can I say this? Because listen, biologically, she's not ours. She's a great mom and dad in Romania. But we're her American parents, as she says. Can I tell you something? We were walking through our target. It wasn't with a sense of begrudgingly. We dropped things in the cart she needed. I can't remember feeling so much joy. Man, to, uh, what, what, Rebecca, what, what about this, whatever? And if she's watching, she's probably mad at me for talking about it. But the joy of blessing that girl, if I feel that, as a matter of fact, she knows, we get kind of a little bit ticked off at Rebecca sometimes. If there's a need, she doesn't let us know about it. We, we want to know. It, but, but she's gracious. And the, the point is this. You serve a great God. Amen. You serve a loving Father. Amen. He delights in your prayers. Amen. Your prayers do not weary him. He loves when you come into his presence. So when you pray, pray confidently. Somebody give the devil a heart attack. Woo! And go to prayer. Sorry. Sorry.
Oh, sorry. Somebody give the devil a fit and say, I will pray confidently for my unsafe son and daughter. I will boldly, we can come boldly. That doesn't mean, I'm gonna get to the second point, doesn't mean that we're brass, and that we, but we can come expecting because we have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. What is the ticket to get into God's presence? It is the blood of Jesus applied to your life. So if you are a follower of Jesus, because of the blood, you can boldly come with confidence and make your request known unto God. So Greg, I'm here today, and I want to be a prayer. Greg, I'm tired of being embarrassed about my lack of prayer. Someone says they're spiritual. One man wrote, let me live with you for three days, and then I'll tell you how spiritual you are. There's somebody breathing in the house, and God's saying to you, you say, I want you to persevere. I want you to walk in wisdom and be connected to your prayer life. Uh, having a prayer life is absolutely indispensable. None of us make it in this life serving Jesus without a personal prayer life. Amen. And I, I agree with the one quote earlier. People that do not pray don't love Jesus as much as they think they do. Uh, Rob and I have been married for, is it 38 years, honey? Thir oh, yes. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I, I just, as I even asked the question, I thought, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> and we don't have a perfect marriage, but we got a pretty good one. And we love being together. This is going to sound really cheesy. We live about 60 seconds from the church. Our mail's been sent to GT for the church been so kind because we travel, our mail comes here, which is such a gift from the church. So we come to church, we're home to get around. Sometimes we come and get mail at, at one, two in the morning whenever we get home. But I can't tell how many times I'll be home and I'm just, it's, it's late and I'm gonna uh, put on a baseball cap and, and a sweatsuit and I'm just gonna go get the mail. And Rob will say, well, wait, I'll, I'll come with you. I, just, I, I know what you're thinking. Just, and I'll go, honey, I'll just, I, and, and why? When you love somebody, you love to be with them. No, she didn't come and I got the mail. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't love each other. But can I just say, when you love somebody, you want to communicate with them. So we cannot say that we love Jesus if we never pray. It doesn't work that way, church. So pray with confidence because your God is a faithful prayer answering God. The second thing. The second thing. Not just to pray constantly. But one way in Luke 18 to teach us not to pray, and that is arrogant prayer. God isn't looking for arrogant prayer. It's right there in Luke 18, verse number nine, where it says this. To some who are confident of their own righteousness, and look down at everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other tax collector. The first he stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all 
those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Psalm 5.5, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence. Isaiah 66.2, has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones that look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. And finally, how about 1 Peter 5.5, 5, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I've never been impressed with arrogant prayer. I don't think God is impressed by arrogant prayer. What do I mean by that? The Bible talks about faith being expressed in love. And so this idea sometimes that, and that some can say, well, Greg, I, you know, I, I move in faith and I'm more to faith. That's awesome. But listen, in the scripture, when people came to the Lord for a miracle, I don't find anybody barking at Jesus. I don't find anybody kind of telling Jesus and, and kind of whatever, barking. I, I see brokenness. I see people that fall before God with humility. I, I don't find this haughty, arrogant spirit, this spiritual elitism that says no matter how you play, but listen, arrogant prayer will get you nowhere. But there's something so powerful in that God is distant from the haughty, but it, he, gives, he gives grace to the humble. God is always looking. He, get, he opposes proud people, but shows favor to the humble. Said so Greg, I'm here this morning, and Greg, I would like to begin with God's help to develop a consistent daily prayer life. I, I want to know what it means to be a prayer. Uh, there's some things at the end we'll talk about, some very systematic things, very practical things. But we must be confident in prayer, but we mustn't be arrogant with prayer. We have to come humbly before the Lord and recognize our need. And it's always good to begin our prayer times with giving God worship, giving God praise. Because the Bible says, apart from him, we can do nothing. And so the power, it's all in the one we're praying to. Our prayers must be prayers of humility and brokenness, not of arrogance and conceit. We must be a people broken before the presence of God. And that's why we need nights like tonight. You're going to get mad at me when I say this. Don't tell me you're in love with Jesus if you choose your television tonight over a worship night in the house of God. No, no, really, come on. We can dance around this, but come on. God, stir us up. I know there's schedules, there's work, and I'm not telling you legalistic, and I know we have family, there's things, whatever, that may be reasons, and I get that, but, but if we're able, why would we not want to be in God's house? I've been so stirred recently reading about the church attendance and, and, and our day and all the reasons why folks are, are attending church less and less. And, you know, they're, they're all great. You know, I, I get it, all these things. But can I say this? If we truly are in love with Jesus, I don't care. You, you'll want to be in the house of God. Couple of amens. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. I've never met one believer in all of our years of traveling that was fruitful, effective, growing, flourishing that wasn't faithfully connected to a local church. And I know that ticks some people off. But we're never called to do this alone. 
We're not called to, the, the church isn't men's idea. The church is always God's idea. And so the Bible says, forsake not. Yes, read all the, the things, the reasons, and you know, whatever the average is. And, but for us, don't get sucked into that. Don't use that to say, well, that's okay. I'll, I'll miss three Sundays out of four, but, but after all, that's the trend. Let's break the trend. Let's show a world that we are passionately in love with Jesus Christ. So we pray confidently, and we don't pray arrogantly, but we come broken, and we come humble, and we say, dear God, apart from you, I do absolutely nothing, because he looks on with favor those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and I love this, for those who tremble at my word, he says. He said, Greg, I, I want to have a prayer life. Then you get so full of God's word that you pray with confidence because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, amen? Just keep, re I love what our church has done the, the last month of reading the, the book of Proverbs. And I, I cheated, I couldn't wait for tomorrow to read, uh, last night I read today's because it was so good, whatever. How many of you have loved the book of Proverbs this month? Come on, amen. Listen, as you and I stay in the word, it'll build your confidence, but may God keep all of us, and God begin with me, keep us from the spirit of arrogant prayer. The third thing, we're almost done. We don't wanna have arrogant prayer. We also don't wanna have ignorant prayer. Because I'm just going to give the reference for time's sake, but in Luke 18, verses 18 to 24, we got the, 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 a certain ruler approached the Lord and said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And remember, he said, I kept all the commandments. And the Lord said, why do you call me good? And they, they have some interaction. And I kept all the commandments as a boy. And the Lord said, you've done really well. But one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor. It says, you went away sad because it was rich. And it talks about how difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom. What that man represents, he had many great assets, but he lacked spiritual understanding. And for you and I in our prayer lives, to be effective and fruitful, we must be delivered from ignorant prayer. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Hosea 4, 6 says this, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And then some for knowledge and how to pray, James 5, I'll just give the reference there, any sick among you and uh, let, let them pray and, and uh, if they're sick, call the elders and, and James gives us knowledge, basic principles on how to pray. So great. what do you tell, say to somebody that says, I, I, I don't want my prayer to be ignorant. I, I want to I have knowledge. I want to be filled with discernment. We must be people of the word. And that's where this whole series flows right into prayer. Because true wisdom, James talks about wisdom from above, the wisdom from down below. And the wisdom from God, my friend, will flow us into the word of God. And so if the only one to pray, not ignorant, but prayers, that are based upon solid ground is to pray the scriptures. If Jesus used the word at the Mount of Temptation, how much more must you and I use the word in our battles? We spend some time in Israel. We'll be there again, should the Lord tarry, in the Garden of, uh, in the, uh, the Mount of Olives, right near where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And I was walking in the garden, 
And I kept thinking to myself, Jesus, it says, he often went there. That night he went there and gets, it wasn't, he would often go there to pray. How many times when you read the scripture, Jesus woke up early when it was still dark and he'd be gone praying somewhere. If Jesus needed a prayer life, how much more do you and I need a prayer life? Can I get an amen? If Jesus needed a prayer life, what would ever make us think we'll be fine, no biggie, if we do not have a personal prayer life? Jesus had a prayer life. And that's why when they said, Lord, not how to walk on water or raise the bed or multiply, but teach us to pray, it's because they saw his prayer life. And they want the prayer life they saw in their master. And they saw his ministry and how they would often use the word in prayer. And so when you and I say, Greg, I, I want to have a prayer life, and I, I, I want to pray with uh, not, not ignorant, but knowledge, and say, God, give me a hunger for your word like I've never, never, never known before. Can someone say a big amen? And I'm going to end with this. He ends it. He begins with a positive. He has arrogant prayer, an ignorant prayer. But then Luke 18 ends with the power of persistent prayer. And I love this. Matter of fact, this text is the text of the first sermon I ever preached. Luke 18, verse 35, it says this. Say, Greg, I'm here this morning, and I want a prayer life. I want God to use me in prayer. I want to learn how to pray. Greg, I want, I want to see God move my marriage. I want to see God move my unsaved kids. I want to see God touch that loved one my family that's got cancer. Greg, Greg I've got, how many have got some battles going on right now in and around you? Anybody besides me? Well, well, this is the key verse for you. Because Luke 18, verse 35, it says this. Our, our keyboardist can come a little bit early. That'd be great. And just begin to play. No, it's early, but that's okay. Luke 18, 35 says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Just picture this. A blind man sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. I love this. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Craig, I want to have a prayer life. You better as well just own up to this. It's going to take the spirit of persistence. It's that I will not give up praying. I will not cease praying. There were those following Jesus, some I'm sure just, just a fan club and curious people, but don't kid, there were religious people following Jesus that day. And I wouldn't be a bit deprived if it was some of religious voices that when this blind man cried out, have mercy on me, said of David, if they said, you be, be quiet. Just be quiet. 
Don't let somebody quiet your prayers. Don't let somebody sabotage your prayer life. And I'm not saying that we're to be ignorant. I'm not impressed at a restaurant if somebody feels they're going to pray really loud. And because I'm not impressed, I find that right. I mean, we don't need to do that. That's arrogant prayer. Come on. We don't, I'm not saying that we're, that we're braced and obnoxious, but don't let somebody snuff out your prayer life. He sounded all the more. They rebuked him. They rebuked him. They said, enough. But he shouted out all the, who is it breathing in this room? And the enemy has almost squelched your prayers for a wayward son. He's almost snuffed out your prayers for your marriage. There's some sitting here right now. You said, you know what? It's over. Do we have any idea? How many miracles have happened because somebody just paused and said, let me pray one more time about this. Who is the God talking to right that's saying, don't you give up? It teaches in scripture in Acts 12, 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Who is it in your family? The devil has in lockdown. Come on, I've got a younger brother. He might be watching, I don't care. He knows I love him. Who's in lockdown? Cold religion will not cause shames to fall, but red hot fire of the spirit of God, shames will fall. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, 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 pray. Then when you're done, you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. Well, great, nothing's changing. You pray, and you pray. The church, he was kept, but the church was kept in prayer. And you know what happened, don't you? The night before his execution, an angel of God was sent, chains fell off of Peter, and Peter arrived at the prayer meeting when they're praying for him. The one they're praying for, read Axel, he's knocking at the door. The servant girl got the door. He said, it's Peter. She ran back in and said, Peter's at the front door. They said, are you crazy? That's not Peter. He's in jail. We're praying for Peter right now. <laughs> the answer to their prayer was knocking at the door. There's somebody breathing in the room this morning. God's saying to you, you think it's over. You think it's over, but God is about to move on your behalf and answer to prayer. And with this, Elijah in 1 Kings 18, at verse 42 to 46, remember? Hadn't rained for some three years, and so he, he called the people together. He prayed, and God sent fire. But then Elijah runs up to Mount Carmel. We were there on our Israel trip. We were there on Mount Carmel. I'm standing on Mount Carmel. I'm looking out at the sky, and you know what happens. They're praying for rain, praying for rain. And so, so Elijah gets down on the ground in the position a Hebrew woman would go in to give birth to a child. And, uh, and he's praying, God, send the rain. And he looks over toward a servant. It's in 1 Kings 18. And, and he says, go give me a weather report. I'm praying for rain. He goes over, looks up, and says, boss, the sky's crystal clear. It's beautiful. And it says seven times he prayed and said, 
Seven times, or six, nothing there. But the last time, he was persistent. The guy comes back and says, boss, look a little bit different. We got one cloud up there and, and the size of a man's hand. Not my hand, that's not, my father's hand was much larger. I can palm a basketball. I can palm four donuts if I need to. <laughs> he saw a cloud this big. When he saw that cloud after being denied, after seeing nothing, after his prayer seemed like it wasn't effective, but he kept persisting, 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 persisting. People that persist in prayer will see answers to prayer that people who give up praying are never, never gonna see. And when he saw that cloud in the natural, it's, oh, what are you, crazy? He, he said, listen, go tell Ahab, hitch up a chair, you better get moving before, before the rain stops you. And the natural, it's like, are you crazy? You think a big a cloud this big? Listen careful. People that pray never base their faith on the size of the cloud. They base their faith on the God of the cloud. Amen. People who pray will see things that people that do not pray are never going to see. People that pray are going to hear things that people that do not pray are never, never going to hear. So what's the message? Don't give up, man. Be faithful in prayer. Be devoted in prayer, the Bible says. My prayer for everybody breathing in this house is that we begin this year, maybe at a realm and a level, individually and corporately. I don't know them all. We're not here. And I know Tuesday mornings, a prayer meeting. Some can't do that, whatever. Tuesday mornings, it's, is it six? Six o'clock. Before service, I know tonight we have tonight, there's a woman's prayer group that meets on Tuesdays and the Bible study and, and those women pray. Before church, wouldn't it be amazing? Again, this is, I'm just talking, uh, what if you meet before, we have a huge atrium, a huge lobby, I love that. What if you, there's a few that meet for prayer. What if it's amazing to walk in church and, and, and to see the people just seeking the face of God? Because when we pray, it breeds expectancy. Don't get mad at me, but if you haven't prayed a lick for this service, you've got no expectancy. How can you? But when you pray, it's God, I, I, I've prayed and I'm, I'm walking in with a sense of God which will move in my life and in my brothers and my sisters. So my prayer is this, God, this year, teach me to pray. God, this year, if you do anything, teach me to pray. I'm gonna ask you to stand all over the room this morning. You've been so gracious and I kind of stumbled through this a little bit. Are we still together? We still love each other? We doing all right? I told you this so many times and I was in the side room and I thought, Lord, I, I don't wanna again. And it's one thing to repeat yourself when you don't know you're repeating yourself. You know, you ever, you're talking with someone and they tell you, you think you, you just told me that, you know? And, but it's different when you repeat something and you know, that you, so I know that I've done this. I'm standing before you today because of a woman who prayed. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for someone that prayed. You wouldn't be here if someone didn't pray. I'm 17, I go up to the altar and I accept Jesus. When I got done, and so many of you have heard this, forgive me, but this woman comes up to me and she's a little Italian woman named Daisy DiLorenzo. 
She grabbed me by the hand. She said, young man, what happened to you tonight? And I said, I just accepted Jesus. I was bawling, 17, just sobbing like a fool. She said, young man, I asked you a question. What happened to you tonight? I'm thinking she's a nice lady, but she can't hear all that well. <laughs> I said, I said, ma'am, I, I slowed it down. I accepted Jesus tonight. She squeezed my hand. She had a grip on her, that little hand, like a vice grip. She said with a spunk, she said, I asked you a question. I want to know what happened to you. I'm thinking, she's, she's deaf. I said, ma'am, tonight I gave my heart to Jesus. She didn't let go. She said, young man, I heard you the first time. But I wanted you to hear yourself three times. Because with the heart you believe, but with the mouth you profess that Jesus is Lord. And she said to me, she said to me, what is your name? I want to begin praying for you. I said, my name is Greg Hubbard. She said, wait a minute. Is your daddy little Bobby? My dad was six foot seven. I never woke up and said, good morning, mom. Hey, little Bobby. I never did that. Hey, little Bobby. I said, little, she said, the basketball player, is that your daddy? I said, ma'am, that, that's my dad. She, kept, she never let go. She said, is your dad, is he a believer? I said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm the first one in the family. I came because a girl asked me to come tonight. That's the only reason I'm here. And I'm not kidding you. Girls said, come to church. I said, sure, I'll go wherever you want me to go. That's what I did. I know all the guys here are way too spiritual. They don't get that. But I said, I'll go, I'll go. I laid hands on myself. I'll go, I'll go. And I said, we don't go to church. I went, I just, and she said, you don't know what's happened. She kept, she said, my, my mother prayed for your daddy who was only nine years old. We lived in a two-family home downstairs and your dad, as a young boy and his sister and mom and dad, lived upstairs for a few years. And Daisy said, my mother was a prayer warrior. She read Matthew 6 about when you pray, going to a closet. So she got saved, her mother, and had a prayer closet. She literally went into a closet and she prayed. She said, I can't tell you how many times I'd walk by the closet and I'd hear my mother in there going, oh, God, save New England. God, send revival. But I hear her saying this, God, save little Bobby Hubbard. Let little Bobby know there's more to life than a basketball. She prayed for my dad, man. And she said, my mother's in heaven, but her prayers are now being answered. Never give up your prayers. She said, you have to begin to pray for your family. So I'd see her each Sunday in church. She'd come up to me, Greg, you're praying for your family. You're praying for your family, praying for your family, praying for your family. First few weeks I did. One week I, I missed, but I lied to her. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I learned something. You don't lie. Never good to lie, but you don't lie to people that pray a lot to the Lord. <laughs> she walked up. She said, Greg, you're praying for your family? Y yes, ma'am. She says, no, you're not. God spoke to me. You've already given up. She said, you got to pray, pray, pray. i got to hurry with this. I'm at Bible school. Nine months later, not, my mom and dad unsaved dropped me off in Phoenixville. 
my unsafe parents. They had tears. I wanted to leave. I had never been away from home except to play in tournaments, tennis tournaments. But I was never away for a long time. And I, I got there at school. I said, I, I don't want to stay. My unsafe parents said, son, we don't know why, but there's something here. We don't know what it is, but you're not coming home. My unsafe parents said, you're staying in Bible college. Isn't it amazing? We have Christian parents that don't want the kids going to Bible college. I had unsafe family. That's a different sermon. The first week of my way at school, the phone rings Sunday afternoon. Hey, Greg, your mommy's on the phone. Oh, Mother Hubbard's on the phone. <laughs> like I never heard that one before. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. You're pretty smart, man. Oh, Mother Hubbard, that you are something. You got a future, man. I go to the phone. Hey, Mom, what's that? The first Sunday at school. Son, I went to church this morning, not myself. But I want you to know that your mom gave her heart to Jesus this morning. I know what you're talking about now. My mother, my mother did not get saved. My mother got saved. A week goes by, phone rings Sunday afternoon. My dad, hey dad, hey dad, how you doing? Son, your mother's a different woman. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> he said, but I thought you wanted to know, son. Your old dad got up and put on his blue suit so that he went to church. I thought you wanted to know today. I went up front to what they call the altar area. And a man named Emilio DiLorenzo led me in a prayer. And so this morning, your dad gave his life to Jesus. I want to tell you something. You say, Greg, prayer doesn't really work. And my response to that is, oh, yes, it does. Tonight, tonight, this morning, whatever time it is, say, Lord, thank you for your grace. Don't walk out, oh, I've been beat up. Walk out saying, by your grace and by your power, Lord, this year my prayer is teach me to pray. Teach me to set aside time where I do nothing but listen to your voice. God, teach me to, to, to prioritize time alone with you. And then throughout the day, those whisper prayers. Come on, you ever been there? Just talking to God throughout the day. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I pray a, a, a fruit from this, or not so much around the altar, but I pray that we'd walk out saying this year, God, teach me. Teach me how to pray, God. Teach me, let's bow our heads all over this room. It's, it's overtime, it's, it's my wife's fault. She preached too long last week and it's all Robin's fault. But just your heads are bowed, just really quick. You're in the room and your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. At T.T. Kutztown, I am praying for a spirit of prayer to rock T.T. Kutztown. That new property, don't think for a second the devil isn't gonna attack you, T.T. Kutztown, with everything he has, with, with the vision that you have and the things that God is doing there. But as you pray together, you watch God continue to shake Kutztown for his glory and his power. But the most wonderful prayer, that beginning prayer that anybody can make, it's known in many circles as the sinner's prayer. Maybe you hear your heads are bowed. Maybe you hear and say, Greg, I, I don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to ask quickly, if you're anywhere in the room and say, Greg, I've come this morning, but I don't know what it means to have a personal walk with Jesus. You don't remember ever receiving Jesus as your Savior. If you're in the room and say, Greg, will you just remember me in your prayers? I'm not going to call you up front, make you sing a special. If you're in the room and say, and this is the most important decision you'll ever make. If you're in this room, 
and say, Greg, I, I, I don't know what it means to be a true follower of Jesus, but just say right now, I, I, keep me in prayer because I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart to forgive my sin and save my soul. If that's you, you say, Greg, I've never prayed a prayer like that, but today for the first time, I want to begin to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you, quickly, lift a hand up quick right now where I can see it. So Greg, it's, Greg, it's me. God bless you and God bless you. God bless you. Anyone that lifted high where I could see it, said, Greg, it's me. I, I want to have a walk with God. Anybody? Put it up high where I could see it. Anybody in the, in the stadium seats back there, wave it at me. If you lifted your hand up, pray this out loud. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. Come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and save my soul. I, I, I uh, profess with my mouth I believe in my heart. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross, rose up from the dead. I receive you now as my Savior. Help me to follow you, to never go back, to never look back, but to walk by your side. And I thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them a big hand clap right now, come on. Really quick, if you prayed that prayer for the first time out at the hub, there's a salvation packet, some great information. Go out there if you didn't raise your hand up but want to follow Christ, get that packet out in the lobby this morning. Here's what we're gonna do. Some don't need to do this, some people do. We'll get to a song in a moment, I believe, and won't we begin singing, you'll be dismissed. But if you're in the room and say, Greg, you know what? I don't have a prayer life, but today, I want to take a stand. I want the Lord to know I'm serious about developing by his help and grace a personal prayer life. Others are walking out. I want you to give the devil a fit and come kneel at this altar and say, today, Lord, I begin my time of prayer each day with you today. Amen? How many believe for a great year of prayer? Amen? Tonight at six, come, we're believing God for a great night. Let's fill this house with worship and praise tonight. God bless each one now. These altars are open as we sing. You come if you need to make that, that commitment to oh, pray this morning. Enough, unless you come.